Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Dr. Salma Farooq said, Vulnerability is a magnet for honesty, and honesty is the very basis of human connections. This is episode 55 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Artisha Bolding. Growing up, her mother needed to move out of town to find a job to support her family, but she wasn't able to go with her. As a child, this was traumatizing and very confusing, because all she wanted was to be with her mother. Being brought up by her aunt and grandmother had its challenges, but it also provided a lot of lessons. As she got older, her career started to take off and life seemed to be going well. Then as she was approaching a well-deserved vacation from work, she started to notice something was wrong with her body. What she thought at the time was hay fever continued to get worse and it would take months before they figured out what was wrong. It would get to a point where she thought this is the end and she started making peace with the fact that it might be her time. Now through her book, Journal For Your Journey, She's using her near-death experience and the renewed faith it brought into her life to help others find more purpose in their own. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Artisha Bolding. Hey, Artisha, it's uh, great to have you on the Vulnerable Podcast. Uh, You were one of the many people who signed up when I was featured on the podcastguest.com newsletter. Uh, I quickly, you know, read through the the bio that you provided and uh, sounds like you've got a story to share. So thank you for being willing to come on here and share it with my audience. Brian, thank you so much for having me. It's truly a pleasure. I'm so glad we could connect. Awesome. So the first question I ask every guest to get started is what is your definition of vulnerability? What a question, right? (laughs) My definition of vulnerability is birthed out of some of the best advice that I've ever received in my life, which was from my spiritual dad. And he says this, he said, you can't be afraid to share the dark parts of your story, especially in today's social media society and everyone wants to be an influencer and all of these things, right? We have this propensity to, you know, put our best foot forward. You know, you want to look a certain way and things like that. But that is so much pressure and that is not genuine and not authentic because yes, you may have a wonderful mate, you may have a wonderful home and a wonderful car, but there are deep pieces to that story of how you got there and even how you maintain it. And that is what we have to share. So that's by far some of the best advice I've ever received is don't just tell the yummy parts of the story, (laughs) but dig in deep and tell the yucky parts as well. So that's my definition of being vulnerable, being genuine and telling the whole story. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that uh, I think you're definitely right. A lot of us just want to tell sort of the the happy parts and the great parts. And uh, but uh, what, what I think is most important about what you said is that a lot of those dark times, a lot of those maybe worst moments of our life are what led us to the better moments. So if people have that understanding, I think it not only allows them to understand us better, but it also allows them to maybe look at their own situation in a different light. 
right? And that's what I'm trying to achieve with this podcast is that, you know, yeah, yeah, we're all going to go through vulnerability. We're all going to go through struggle. But if you actually look into it, like you just said, and you get real deep into it, you'll realize that there's lessons there that can help you with whatever you might be going through right now. So definitely agree with what you had to say there. So if, yes. if you can look back and, and go back as far as you want, I've had some people go back right to their childhood, like five years old, and I've had other people, you know, start around high school. So completely up to you. But, you know, based on that definition, what would you say, you know, would be your earliest memory of going through some sort of vulnerability in your life? One of those, I guess, dark moments like you, you sort of described. Well, if it will have to be an earlier memory. It definitely is a childhood one. I remember being pretty traumatized and wanting to understand, but totally not understanding why my mom was moving out of town without me. And she tried to explain to me that, you know, she was looking for work and she was going to go up north. We were, I was born in Georgia, which is where I'm back now. And she was leaving Georgia to try to go, you know, get financially stable and that she would send for me. And so I knew how money worked. You know, I would ask for money for candy and toys and things like that. So I understood um, on some level what she was trying to do, but it hurt so bad. I did not understand why she couldn't take me with her right then. Right. And for two years, I stayed with my grandmother who was very loving, very strict, but also very loving, a great cook. And I absolutely wanted for nothing, uh, you know, a beautiful home. And even uh, my aunties jumped in to support but I just remember as a child oh, at the time, Whitney Houston was one of our favorite artists. And I would listen to Whitney Houston music. I was eight years old and I would just cry for my mom. And it was just really, really sad, even though I knew she was trying to do something to better her life and, of course, mine. So that was a very, very vulnerable state for me at a young age. No, I can completely, I mean, I can't understand it because I haven't been through the same thing, but I can understand how at a young age, it might be hard to understand why your mother, the person who's supposed to be there to take care of you, that especially I'm going to imagine as a girl, again, I'm, I'm a boy, so not going to not going to ever understand that relationship. But as a, as a girl, as a daughter, I'm sure that, you know, it's much harder to understand like why this person doesn't want to, like you said, take them with you or, you know, you're imagining, I'm sure a very different situation at that age. And, and so, yeah, I can understand how that might've been hard to sort of deal with uh, not understanding sort of why she had to do it or why you couldn't go with her. So, I mean, you, you did say that, uh, you know, you, you stayed with your grandparents and you had your aunts that helped out. Would you say that's what sort of helped you overcome that or helped you get through that situation? Or were there other things that you can remember that really helped you sort of push through um, that tough time in your life? It definitely was the everyday in your face love and support from my grandmother and um, my aunt. And so it was this from the beginning. It was just this tribe of women that encircled me and made sure that I have everything that I needed from, you know, fun and games to making sure that um, 
little side note, my grandfather had passed um, before I was even born. So it was just my grandmother in the home. And uh, so it was just her and I, and she did not drive. So anything that we needed um, to go grocery shopping, um, if we were going to have a route to the mall and things like that, we depended very heavily on uh, my aunts. My grandmother was already a senior citizen, you know. So um, that was my hangout time, you know, hanging with the older ladies. And then, you know, they would transport me to where my other cousins and stuff were when they wanted me to be around some people my own age, you know. So it, um, even though it was difficult, it still was um, lots of fun and lots of love. I definitely felt um, the whole, just, you know, that old proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. I definitely <laughs> had that village to bring me through. No, one thing I'm curious about, because I mean, I grew up like my grandmother lived with us from my mom's side. Um, she lived in the same house, house, house as us. And I remember when I was younger, I used to hang out a lot in her room. I'd listen to like the music that she listened to, which was like, you know, 1950s, you know, your Frank Sinatra's, your Dean Martin's, uh, that type of music, Louis Armstrong, like all, all this older music. And even sometimes just watch the show, shows that she was watching like Wheel of Fortune and stuff like that. But I remember having a very good relationship with my grandmother. And, and I would say that she influenced my life in multiple different ways. Music was definitely one of them. Cause I mean, I, I still remember growing up and people being like, who's this kid listening to Frank Sinatra? But I just, I loved the type <laughs> of music. Right. So thinking back, would you say, cause it sounded like you were saying, you know, like that most of your time was spent with older women, obviously, you know, you, they took you in and had you hang out with your cousins from time to time. But what would you say the influence that had on you? Because I can only imagine, like I said, if my grandmother living with me had an influence, that there must have been some sort of influence these people had on you. If, if you can think back, what, what, what sort of influence would you say they had? Absolutely. A huge influence as far as inside and outside of the home, because all of these ladies um, were independent. They were all homeowners. And of course, you know, I'm looking at this. 30 years later, but at the time, they all took care of their families and households. I would do things, like I mentioned earlier, the errand running with my aunts and my grandma. So at a very young age, I learned how to start writing in a checkbook and balance it. I learned how to budget and do groceries and pay monthly bills. Like, and it was such a huge deal for me. I had to be about nine years old. My grandmother would write out the slip, give me money, but she would let me go into like the telephone company and pay the bill all by myself. And it was just a huge sense of accomplishment for me to come out with the receipt for her knowing that I did the right thing and it was something for the house. And I was just so excited about that. I was like, yeah, I'm a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really just those skills again at a very early age. And my grandmother taught me how to cook and sew. And then my aunts taught me how to do crafts and crocheting and things like that. So just a wealth of knowledge, um, domestically, civically, and all around. So I've absolutely carried those things throughout life with me. I shared um, on my show a few months back. Um, one thing that I don't know why it's burned into my brain, but one of my aunts, um, she's been married probably the longest of um, anybody in the family. And I was always super close with her and my uncle. 
I was with her and she was washing dishes and I was kind of helping rent and put them away. And when we started, I noticed that she, first of all, had a gorgeous wedding ring that always <laughs> caught my eye. And I noticed that, you know, she took it off before she would do the dishes. And I asked her, I was like, why are you taking uh, your ring off? And she says, well, the um, detergent in the dishes actually can loosen the stones and ruin your settings. And here I am, 40 years old. I'm coming up on my nine-year anniversary. Hey. But <laughs> that is something that I just always remember. And to this day, I, I don't do dishes with my wedding ring on. But <laughs> I never have like, researched the information or anything. Like my aunt told me. So it's like Bible. I knew it. And hey, you know. So it's just the things like that that you carry throughout your life. No, for sure. It sounds to me like uh, the couple of things that I would pull away from that is they definitely taught you a sense of responsibility, which is something that I think even some of us as adults struggle with is taking responsibility for certain things in our life. And it sounds like they gave you that at a young age. And then the other thing that I pulled is that it seems like you probably were a lot more mature at a younger age than most people around you, like most people at your age, which is definitely something that I think, you know, in general, I feel like women are a lot more mature, a lot quicker than men. But it, it seems to me that, at, you know, like you said, eight, nine years old, you were probably far more mature than most people your age. And that I'm sure has helped you as you've grown uh, throughout the years. Absolutely. And something that I don't think about very often, but I know that that was instrumental in uh, myself being a lot of opportunities for leadership. I once my mom, um, I was able to join my mom. She was going to Washington, D.C. Um, I've worked with the mayors in Washington, D.C. I've worked with top government officials. I've been invited to speak at several different meetings and luncheons and things like that because I, and not that I feel like my childhood was robbed because I don't feel like that, but it was just uh, burned into me to speak well, to have a good, nice demeanor and a good, nice appearance, and to not get too caught up in foolish child's play. So I'm thankful because that has definitely opened doors for me throughout the years. No, for sure. And and I'm glad that, like I said, that you were able to, that you're able to see that and you're able to learn that and carry it forward. Because I think even uh, another thing that a lot of us do is we forget about our childhood. <laughs> we, we, we get so caught up in, you know, paying bills and, and doing yeah. everything that we have to do as adults that we forget about our childhood. But it's great that you were able to sort of take those childhood lessons and carry them on throughout your life. And they were able to help you um, through the different things that you went through. And, and again, it's just, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's just awesome when people are able to, like I said, learn from their struggles. Like you said, it may not have been the worst upbringing, but there's still definitely things that I'm sure were not easy for you to go through at that young of an age. Like you said, like your mom leaving, trying to understand the whole situation, and everything, but I'm glad that you learned enough that you were able to carry it forward. So, would you say that, like, if you could look at, there's, was there maybe a strength, um, something, because you, you did sort of touch on it there in terms of saying, talking about uh, leadership opportunities and stuff, but was there a strength that you discovered in yourself back then, like going through this and, and learning from these people? Was there a strength that it really brought up and presented in you? The strength, and it flows right into the work that I'm doing today, was to 
speak clearly and speak for myself to be able to articulate what it is that I wanted and needed and really what my goals were, whether it's me having to persuade my aunt to take me across town to go and visit one of my other cousins or whether it was, you know, talking to my grandmother into letting me go to meet up with some folks at the mall, but really just being able to negotiate and plan. <laughs> and again, that speaks also back to that responsibility because I knew that if I expected to do those things, that I had chores that I had to do, that, you know, that I had this uh, whole list of other things. I had to make sure that I was on my best behavior all week if I was going to do anything on the weekend. But that definitely also carried through with understanding that your results, you're in control of your results, right? There is an outcome for everything that you do. So if you do not get those chores done, if you're not doing what you have to do uh, responsibility-wise, then you're not going to be able to get these privileges. You're not going to have access. You're not going to be able to do these things. So again, that's definitely something that I built a strength in. It's just being able to buckle down, get the things done, cross the things off the list, and then have, so have the business taken care of first and then be able to indulge in the pleasures. Oh, and that's a good one to have because I think, again, it's there's a lot of us that get distracted very easily in our lives nowadays, especially with things like social media, Netflix, all that stuff in the world. So the fact that you're able to, at a young age, realize that, you know, there's things that are more important. You're, it's, it seems to me the word, I guess, that would come up would be prioritization. And I've learned a lot about that in the last few years of my life is having certain priorities set because otherwise it's too easy to just sort of go in 20 different directions and then just get lost. So it seems to me that you know, again, you were able to learn this this lesson of having priorities and, and knowing that, you know, these priorities are more important than those. But if I take care of these, then at least I can go and, and do, like you said, have fun or, or whatever it might be. So um, it's awesome again. And, and you know, I also like the fact that you were talking about being a little bit persuasive and, and being a good <laughs> negotiator. I definitely relate there. I was in sales for most of my life. So being persuasive is something that just sort of comes along with that. And uh, I definitely you know, use it to my advantage a handful of times. So I, I can definitely relate to that as well. So I, I want to let you sort of, um, I guess, get into your the story that you mentioned in your, your bio there um, that you sent over through the, the newsletter um, that sort of really made this, this shift in your life. So I mean, if you want to just go ahead and sort of uh, tell that story and, and tell us how it brought you to where you're at now. Um, and then we'll get into some more questions after that. Yeah, I just want to—I'm really intrigued because you—you only put it into about a sentence there, but I'm pretty sure there's more to it than than what you uh, what you sort of sent over. Yeah, so that's the thing with um, the the whole process. You know, you want to kind of pitch yourself, but you don't want to be overly descriptive, and you don't want to <laughs> come off as a narcissist. And so it's just kind of like a fine balance there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But. Um, it um actually Brian, it all started uh to come to a head in November, actually go back, it was really October of twenty seventeen. Um I had just been on um a particular job for uh one year. I was working, believe it or not, um, you know, I'm the lipstick chick, I'm the hair extensions, all of that. But I was working on a nuclear power construction site. 
cutting edge, um, the only one really proceeding this way in the country, right here in uh, Burke County, Georgia. And um, this particular year, I hadn't been able to take a vacation because you know you have mandatory overtime, the whole thing. I was working 50 and 60 hours a week, super crazy. But I was excited because I had some vacation time coming up in October. I was going on to my um, college homecoming, Howard University, love HU, okay? (laughs) So right up until the time that I was getting ready to take this time off from work, I began to um, have these um, breathing problems. I began kind of coughing and having shortness of breath. But I was thinking that it was hay fever, which I suffer with seasonal allergies, terrible. And even, you know, I was coughing. I kept telling people, I'm not contagious. It's just allergies. Like, get over yourself, you know, like, come on, let's get this work done kind of thing. But it just got increasingly and increasingly worse. Like, I could hear the phlegm and fluid, not to be too gross, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's... (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, The phlegm and fluid in my lungs, like, it was just labored breathing. And so in my head, I was going over things, these things. I was just like, okay, you really need to change your diet. You really need to lose some weight. I'm telling myself all these things, self-diagnosing and not going to the doctor. Okay. Whole other thing. Um, but I was not going to cancel my vacation. I was absolutely going to uh, homecoming back in D.C., right? So I went on that trip. I actually drove because I was um, taking my niece with me who was looking at colleges at the time. But I remember even on the drive up, I wasn't feeling well, but I just, I would not be stopped. I was like, nope, I'm going, I'm still going. I don't know what this is, but I'm still going. Anyway, when I got back, so had the vacation, it was nice. I was still coughing all over everybody and everybody was like, are you sure you're okay? But came back in town and I was just like, okay, this has got to be more than just allergies or even a cold at this point. Something is really wrong. So I made myself go to um, an urgent care. And a little side note, whenever I tell the story, I point it out not to brag, but I'm young and healthy. At the time, I'm 38 um, years old because my birthday now had passed. So it's October. I mean, it's November now. My birthday had passed. I'm 38 years old. I didn't even have a primary care physician. I never went to the doctor because, you know, I'm young and healthy, right? Whatever. <laughs> and so I went to this urgent care place and I found out, well, they didn't know what was going on with me. So they gave me a bunch of prescriptions. Anyway, Fast forward a little bit, just a couple of weeks later, I found myself in the emergency room in the hospital. And I was so hurt. I couldn't believe that that's what was happening. But Thanksgiving of 2017, I would spend in the hospital, first hospital stay of my entire life, out of the blue, eight days. And what they would later find out is that I was having, of course, respiratory difficulty. I actually had double pneumonia first time. So it's just like, what a first. My Both of my lungs were completely filled. I was, in essence, drowning on my own fluids. It was very, very scary. So they had to put me on a ton of antibiotics and everything. And through this process, what I also learned is that the phrase, the practice of medicine is completely accurate because no, God bless our healthcare workers, especially everything that's going on now, but they really are kind of 
going back to the textbook, just trying to see what it is. They don't have any magic wand that they can immediately pinpoint and say, okay, nope, this is what you have. So they tried all of these things. I was having adverse reactions. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. So I spent eight days in the hospital, Thanksgiving of 2017. I was back in the hospital, January, March, and May of 2018. So not only did I miss Thanksgiving, but I also missed Easter and by a hair, Mother's Day, like the the day after Mother's Day of 2018, I was in a coma in the ICU, okay? Two whole days completely knocked out, not knowing what is going on. And that final hospital stay, which will be 10 days, making a total of 26 days I had been in the hospital dealing with this. And they finally were able to uh, give me a diagnosis. Um, I had congestive heart failure, respiratory failure, right, again, 38 years old, and it was as a result of pulmonary hypertension, which is um, very oversimplifying it, but um, my tubules in my lungs, as well as my heart, are really constricted, so my heart works overtime, and um, my lungs can get backed up, so it was it was essentially a death sentence, Brian, and it was the craziest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. No kidding. Like I'm just standing over here. I'm sure you saw my face a couple of times where I was just like, whoa, because like what I, I, I the only thing that comes to mind right now is like just the, that it just sort of showed up like there was nothing that presented itself before this like do they even realize like did they figure out a cause or was it just sort of like they ended up saying like uh, it happened like uh, was there any sort of uh, I guess uh, like I said did they figure out like what sort of brought this up like or or did it just end up at the end of the day being like it's just your body and this is what happened yeah the, the latter it, it's just your body and this is what happened which is so I don't want to keep using the word crazy, but that's just so crazy. And they even have a term for it. For it, it's called idiopathic. Idio, like idiot, like we don't know. They have a fancy term for it. we don't know. So it's called idiopathic. They were not able to drill down what uh, actually caused it. And the thing, let me rewind a moment. Never a smoker. Okay, no history of asthma. The worst thing literally was the seasonal allergies. So this just came as like came down on us like a hammer. It was it was just really crazy. And so the the but you gotta love a turnaround story. You gotta love a comeback story, right? <laughs> the great part about it was I literally went from and I always get a little teary on this part. So I told, um, it was always my mom, my husband, and my sister that were always my caregivers and just kind of making sure everything was okay. And it was a point where I couldn't be at home alone because I had medical equipment now. Um, from that incident, I had to be on 24-hour oxygen support, Okay. So literally dragging around that big oxygen tank, like if you imagine a helium where you fill up the balloons for the kids' parties, like that was essentially me dragging that big dump tank around, if um, even to just go back and forth to doctor's appointments. So it was really, really trying, but I remember two things. 
in the hospital. One, those early days, once I came to and I was to see and speak with my family, everybody's coming up. I told uh, my husband, my mom, my sister, I was just like, you know, I think this is the end. So just tell the family if they want to see me come visit. I, you know, in so many words, told them to go ahead and make the arrangements. I was convinced those few days that this was it because, I mean, what 38-year-old heart just stops, lungs just stop working. So I just, I, I, I just thought that it was over. But I'm so thankful that I did have a, not a very good family, of course, but a committed care team at the hospital who I'm close with to this day. Actually, I have to kind of check in with them. But a very tight-knit group of healthcare heroes, thank God for them, who were able to get me on a plan and get me the real, I mean, high-tech tens of thousand dollars worth of um, equipment that I needed. And so once it, you know, we would get a little light at the end of the tunnel and right around day four in the hospital, I was, and I didn't say this while, but I was just kind of like, hmm, I'm not in heaven yet. It's not full time. It's just like, okay, I'm still here. So I just knew, I said, okay, if God has not taken me back with him and, you know, the whole band of angels and singing in the heavenly choir and all of that, if I'm still here on earth, then I have work to do. So immediately, Brian, I did a 180. And when I tell this story, I always say right there in the hospital bed, because when you to a and you know, you have these defining moments and these moments. I knew that if I were not to leave that hospital, if that was the final, I just how I always say this, I was so unimpressed by what my legacy would have been. Like people can say I eyes and I was active in the church and I come from family and everything. But that was essentially it, especially for the last three to five years. I had not done anything to make any gainful impact in anyone's life but my own. I was so busy chasing a paycheck, chasing dollars, wanting to buy nice clothes and eat at nice restaurants. It's just like an empty life, right? So again, there now bed when I was able to you know start sitting up on my own when I was able to start I'm kind of getting up from the hospital bed and even walk around to the other side and pour my own water the more functionality I got the more it looked like I was actually going to go home I decided that I would live life differently so I began right there I'm talking about the nutrition folks the social workers the uh, custodians the nurses and the doctors I would give them the biggest smile I would say the most uplifting things to them I would ask them about their families I would pray for them I began to motivate inspire and encourage right there and knew that that was the new path that I would be on I began to journal and and out right there how forward I would do this full time if my husband and God allowed me. <laughs> no, I honestly like so I, I mean the only thing I can say is that's one powerful story for sure. Like I, I've never faced you've been anywhere near death. Um, you know, and I can I, I can I can sort of understand though, because I, I as of recently, um, you know, in the last probably year or so, I've been looking at 
uh, I, well, I, there's one practice that I do. I have an app and it's, it's sort of weird, but it sends you five quotes a day that remind you about death. So it, it constantly okay. brings up the reminder that one day you're going to die. And literally the slogan of the company is don't forget you're going to die. And that alone has helped me sort of recognize what you're saying is that I know it's crazy, but it, it, it it's, it's based on a Buddhist practice. It's, it's not just mm-hmm. like, it's not dark. It's just literally there to sort of bring more presence, like make you more present because I think, and I'm sure that's what you mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. sort of felt in that moment is that, you know, like you said, you had spent your life sort of chasing money, chasing titles, having nice clothes, going out for nice dinners. And I can relate with that 1000%. I mean, for most of my, you know, twenties, I had this constant goal of, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And that was my goal was to make a hundred thousand dollars. And I figured once I made that kind of money, I'd be the happiest person ever. The problem was, is that the journey there, I was miserable all the time. Right. Yes, and so it's a lie. And so what I'm, what I I guess I'm getting at is like that, you know, the, the fact that a lot of us, because we get caught up in these things, we don't necessarily appreciate where we're at. We don't necessarily stay present in the moment. We're just constantly chasing the next thing. And for me, it sounds like what, what happened with you is like I said, is that you were faced with this near death experience and that sort of opened you up to realize like, Hey, you know, I might not have tomorrow. I might not have next week. And if that's the case, then is what I'm doing right now, what's going to leave me, you know, feeling fulfilled and being happy and and not only yourself, but others. I mean, I've heard over and over again, how, you know, being in service of others is where we can actually find real happiness. It's not in, in, you know, being uh, selfish or, or looking after ourselves. Of course, you have to make sure that, you know, you're good as well, but it's in service of others where we find real happiness. So again, like I said, it's a powerful story of just like, going from somebody who never had a health issue, never had any sort of signs to being at the point where you literally thought this is it for me to then using that to catapult you to where you're at now. You know, like I can't think of another, I I've had, you know, 30 odd episodes released, you know uh, I, I think I've got over 50 recorded and there's very few where that sort of story comes, comes to, comes to this, like where somebody has that type of story that I feel can really get people to understand that, you know, life is not promised and, and we have to be mm-hmm. more, uh, not more careful necessarily, but we have to just be more aware of the fact that, you know, like w- that there's going to be an end. And if we're not careful, mm-hmm. we're going to get there and not be happy with maybe where we, what we did in our life. So anyways, enough <laughs> from me. Um, so, you know, like what, what did that lead to? Like what, like what you said, you know, you made that decision that day that if I'm going to stay here, this is what I'm going to do. So what did that exactly lead to? So I knew that there was going to be a book and in my mind, it's just like, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? So in my mind, the book was going to be, um, which this is in the hopper, the book was going to be the story of how all of this came about, you know, from October all the way to May and then up to, um, you know, September with um, outlying issues into the next year. That was going to be the whole thing, the journey, right? Um, so I began to um, make journal notes and I began to literally write down doctors' names and nurses' names and things they said to me and I said to them and the diagnosis. I began to um, make a lot of detailed notations about that because I'm just like, this is going to make a great book. I would read this. This is fabulous. <laughs> fabulous. And this is going to help someone and everything like that. But 
um, we're a whole year, excuse me, um, coming up on two years actually from the, the actual health incident. And the book that was really burning in my heart that I felt a divine nudge to put out first was a prayer and affirmations book instead. So again, not about me at all, in service to others, just as you said. And the title of the book is Journal for Your Journey. One days of prayer to center your soul. And what I believe, Brian, in my heart, the reason why there, you know, there's no medical, there's no real medical cause or um, understanding of it. The reason why I believe that I wound up in the hospital all those times, I think that because my soul work had gone undone, because I was so keyed in to this selfish path, I believe that my soul was sick and it made my body sick. So I believe that all of that was really just kind of my soul out crying and out pouring, like, you know, let me out of here. We've got to do something different. And so that's where Journal for Your Journey um, came from. And in there, um, I'm a woman of faith and I'm a Christian background. So the book is definitely um, centered on that. But um, I've spoken with practicing uh, Buddhists as well as Hindus. And this book is for anyone because it's, um, it's a guided practice actually and it walks you through how to encourage yourself over across different topics whether it's being fruitful in your life being fruitful in your business speaking those things aloud that you want to see manifest in your life and you get um an affirmation and prayer for each day there is a biblical scripture reference and there's a place to notate the things that come up and being mindful of those things so you can write those down um, put a date on it and then you go back and review and you say okay this is where I was on this day and now look where I am on this day so that whole process really birthed that first book that I never planned to or envisioned writing like totally not <laughs> my idea alone that was just like an outcry you know <laughs> no and and so I was standing over here the whole time you're saying that smiling and it's funny because like what I was thinking in my head is like if you had have come if I had if you and I had had a conversation let's say even two or three years ago I would have probably been like yeah, whatever. And I would have just been laughing and saying like, you know, like, yeah, affirmations, whatever. Like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And and that was me for sure. But the one thing that I think uh, that you brought up, that's really important, because I think a lot of us right now, and it's probably, you know, again, because of social, because of what we see out there, a lot of us focus on our minds. We focus on mindset because mm -hmm. all you hear is like, you got to get your better mindset. You got to, you got to do all that. And it's all about our minds. But I think what you brought up in terms of like getting your soul to a good place, I think that is what's more important and what, what should be focused on more. Because what I've realized over the last few years is that if you're not right in your heart, which I think is a big part of what has to do with your overall soul you can do whatever you want up here and it's not going to necessarily lead you in the right direction because your, your mind can play a lot of tricks on you. I mean, I've seen it, whether it's negative self-talk, whether it's whatever, whatever it might be, there's a lot of things that go on up there. And if you don't get your heart right, if you don't get your soul right, like you said, I think that it can, you know, 
your mind can lead you into the wrong place anyways. So I'm really happy that you brought that up because I think that that is key to sort of figuring out not only like who we are and what we want in life, but just getting to a better place in life is taking care of your heart and soul. So I just, I, I love that you said that. And, and like I said, it's just funny to me that, you know, now I look at something like that and I'm like, yes, <laughs> whereas before I would have been like, you're yeah. a believer now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's been so fulfilling. It's been amazing. So um, Journal for Your Journey actually just celebrated its one year anniversary. So May has been really big for me. So thinking I was going to die in May of 2018 to uh, releasing a book in May of 2019, I said, you know, this is the best way to celebrate the anniversary. So I did a whole book tour last year and it was really, really exciting. And then this year I have been reaching out to um, especially women, but um, men as well. Of course, I'm on social media. I have a private Facebook group actually for women. It's called Chosen Chick Discussion Group. And we discuss um, those things like mindfulness um, and the soul work. And we specifically talk a lot about the um, the mental shift as well as the faith shift with that. And uh, with that group of women and a new community that I'm building called the Trailblazers, I've reached out um, via email to folks who have signed up uh, with me. And I've actually been sharing with them completely free of charge, the mini ebook version of Journal for Your Journey. So full print and um, Nook or Kindle ebook versions have the full 31 days and entire month. But um, anyone who's listening on your show and who wants to connect with me, I'm actually offering a free gift, the mini Journal for Your Journey ebook. You get a full week of uh, these prayers and affirmations and some other motivational tips free of charge. All they have to do is uh, connect with me on social and send me um, an email and I can share my email now or at the end if you want, Brian, but that's another way that I'm, I'm reaching folks because it's not so much about, it's definitely not about notoriety and it's not even about uh, profit, even though, yes, I do want to pay my bills and be able to help <laughs> even more people. Right. Um, but it's about getting these tools in folks' hands so that we have a better society at large so that the that come behind us. I'm an auntie, get this 14 times over. I have now great nieces and nephews, the youngest of which is seven months old. So I want them to inherit a healthy planet, a healthy lifestyle, and to be able to go and do great things in the world, not to have to spend so much time healing from these generational curses and bad habits, right? <laughs> no, I, I, again, I think that's an important point is, is thinking about our legacy because Again, I think we're all so distracted that it's not something that we necessarily consider too often. Um, and, and I think it's an important thing to think about because, you know, I don't, I, I, I said to people, you know, not, uh, not too long ago, you know, like that I doubt a lot of us are going to get to our deathbed and think about, I should have, you know, made more money. I should have got that promotion. I should have spent more time at work or whatever it might be. A lot of us are probably going to think about the fact that we didn't spend enough time with family or we didn't experience certain things or we didn't make the impact that we wanted to make. So I think it's really key that we, we think about that stuff. And I'm definitely, I, I, 
want to get your email at the end because I definitely think I'm going to even sign up just because I'm intrigued. Like I, I don't, I'm not a big person. I won't say that I'm a person of faith and it's not that I don't believe or whatever. It's just my, I have issues with organized religion, put it that way. And that's as far as we'll go. Understood. But, but, but I still, mm-hmm. but I still, in hearing what you said and hearing what other guests have said, I still think it's something that I may need to just explore a bit because even with, you know, Buddhism, like I've explored meditation and stuff like that. And I haven't explored Buddhism 100%, but I think that at this point in my life, I'm just more open to, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, jumping in 100%, but at least exploring what it can do for me. So I, I'm definitely going to reach out. Uh, you know, and one thing I want to uh, understand, I guess, is, you know, everything that's happened from like when you were young to, to being in the hospital for all those days for coming to that near death experience, like what sort of toll did that take on you? And, and just like, you know, emotionally, physically, like just to sort of get it all, put it all together. Like what would you say like that toll was good, bad, whatever, like what, what it, what effects did it have on your life? It was a complete roller coaster because I'm very high energy, high self-esteem, life of the party. Come on, let's get it done. Amazing work ethic. Again, I sound like a total narcissist, but I promise <laughs> I'm not. But these are the things. I'm just a, a high functioning and had always been a very high functioning adult, very uh, productive citizen because that's how I was always that's how I was raised. That's everything that I studied and everything that I uh, wanted to be. I studied poli sci, you know, so I'm, you know, fully engaged and all of that and encouraging others to do the same. So when my health started to take a downturn, I became really lethargic and I became very depressed. And I actually recently got some paperwork in um, because, you know, some another um, agent is reviewing a lot of things that happened to me, um, you know, with the medical process and um, on the job and things like that. And um, looking back at some of the terminology that uh, the doctors used. So I was suffering because um, my lungs were failing. I wasn't getting enough oxygen to my brain. And my sister, we laugh now, but it really was not funny. It was really, again, super crazy. Because um, I was in what you call an altered state. It was as if I was a drug user. And we'll have to, you have to have me back on and tell another story about the nurse <laughs> who secretly thought that I was a drug user and that I was lying to my mom because my mom is a pastor. And that is why I was having an adverse reaction to the medication. She was a crazy, crazy chicken, this lady was. Anyway, that that gets me riled up every time I think about that. But I was suffering, Brian, you're laughing at me. I was suffering from carbon dioxide poisoning because there was too much carbon in my brain and not enough oxygen, CO2 poisoning. And you get into an altered mental state as well as depression. So also, and again, talking about the dark and yucky parts of this story, um, my husband and I, were actually separated at the time. By the time I um, began having these major, major health crises in 2018, uh, we were kind of on the rocks and a big part of it was kind of the economy and just other things that were going along with that. And I just told him I didn't think it was going to work. I felt like we had gave it a nice try. At that point, 
we had been married, what, six, six, and I guess going to seven years. And I was just like, hey, you know, <laughs> so crazy. But I was like, we had a good run. You know, we tried. Nobody can accuse us of not trying. Let, I think we should just call this a day. Like, this is clearly not work. Just nuts. Anyway, but even through that, he stood beside me the entire time. So I give him major, major props, like huge kudos, because every visit, every um, hospitalization, everything, he was right, right there. He wanted to be very informed, making sure that I was receiving the best care. But with going up into that last day in May, um, I had already at that time been put on 100% oxygen. So in March, I had, I didn't say this, but in March, I had been intubated and had to be resuscitated. So like I literally died, like flatlined the whole deal. That was the first time into a coma. So I had to have 100% um, oxygen report for months. And during that time, still, um, because the flow was not, going to my brain like it needed to be I became in a very depressed state and all I could say to myself was I can't believe my life has come to this and I became depressed of course I didn't go anywhere because who wants to be dragging that dumb oxygen tank around and then I was gaunt I had uh, lost a lot of weight and it was just a lot of things with that and I um I I told my mom and I told my husband it was just like it was the middle of the night one night and I just told them I said you know what this is it I said I'm going to go to sleep and I'm not going to wake up I said don't touch me leave me alone and so I had not taken my medication and what I didn't tell them but I knew that if I um, mess with the settings on my oxygen that I would literally stop breathing in the night and no one would know. So I had planned to end it all. I was just like, this isn't a life. I'm slave to this medication. I'm slave to this oxygen machine. I'm, I'm done with this. I, I'd rather just end it now. If this is what the rest of my life is going to look like, I'd rather just end it now. So that was just a very, very, very dark time. But naturally they got a hint of what I was trying to do and then the stupid oxygen machine told on me because when you're not at the proper setting it beeps and so everybody was like what the heck is going on here so it was just so crazy so it's just like come on God you won't even let me you know like, oh, wow. but um so they and you know they fussed at me a little bit like how dare you you know we love you you can't go anywhere and all of this whole Kind of thing and so bright spots all along so this my story is one of course of human interest that's what folks want to tag it but it really is about bright spots and about the light at the end of the tunnel because once again just like when I was eight years old now my family really rallied around me to encourage me to pull me literally snatch me out of depression and that has informed again my work today i'm not a clinical psychologist i'm not a counselor or a therapist uh, but i do um, in my coaching i help talk people through situations like this and help give them hope and also help get centered for getting their goals achieved and helping them to be brave and say out loud the things that they and that's a part of our soul work as well
not deny our calling, the things that we're naturally good at, the things that folks already seek us for, and our gifting, and how we can spend time in that space to get that luster in life and to be fulfilled in those ways. No, a powerful, again, just a, a powerful way to sort of culminate it all. And I, I had an, another question, and I think you've sort of answered it, but we'll go there anyways. How would you say everything that you've been through has helped you get to this point? Like if you put everything that you've been through in your life, we've talked about it, we've touched on it throughout the episode, but if you could sort of bring it all together, how would you say all of it's helped you get to where you're at right now? This has all helped me to know that I have purpose in the earth. I wasn't just born, but I have calling and I have do and so yes you know there's again like before there's some time we're gonna have fun and play around and no one's gonna burn on cylinders a hundred percent of the time right but what I share with clients friend anyone who will is that we all have a purpose and a calling we all have unique gifted and so my mission is to keep people from having to do like me and having a hospital bed revelation. I want folks to be able to sit down, still and quiet, to center themselves and to get that done. So all of these things have informed the world today with folks to them get out of them to for those self limbs that that you mentioned so that has just brought me full circle from being selfish and self-motivated to being selfless and people motivated oh, awesome all right we're down to the last couple of things here because i want to definitely respect your time and, and i agree I'm, i think we're gonna have to have you back on because i think there's i'm, I'm kind of in a way i wish we had started getting into this story earlier in the episode because i didn't realize that there was so much to it but nonetheless like i said we can look at getting you back on in the future and and i definitely am looking at doing themed weeks and stuff like that in the future so when we have one that uh, will work for what uh, what your story is we'll definitely reach out and i'm definitely going to stay connected either way um but anyways, like I said, down to the last couple of questions, would you say at this point in your life right now, today, where you're at, that you've reached uh, success and fulfillment in your life, that you found success and fulfillment, or would you say that you're still on your journey towards that? Um, can I say both? hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, good. I'm excited that I was able to commit to this 180 and two years later i'm still in it and i'm able to help people every day i'm able to provide guidance whether it's through a social media post or through a coaching phone call so i am i definitely think that i've achieved success in that still being here still doing the work being genuine and coming to it and at the same time i'm still on the journey because i I could do so much more uh, with more people. And again, not about exposure for me and even getting my name out there, but being able to do the most good for the most people. No, oh, awesome way of putting it. And and of course you can do both. It, that question, I've had so many people where it's like they, they, everybody's sort of like, well, it depends on how you define this and depends on how you define that. The whole point is for people to define it for themselves. For and, themselves. and so I like the way that you put that there. So last question, 
um, if if you could sort of look at your whole story and and you know and you could give people sort of three lessons, three key lessons, three important lessons that you learned from your journey that could maybe help them with their journey, whatever they're going through, help them get through the vulnerabilities and the struggles of their own life. What would you say those three important lessons would be that you learned? I knew you were going to ask me that, and I wrote them down because I tend to get off topic, as you can hear. I don't want to be rambling, but that's a very important question, and I appreciate that. So, the I don't in no particular order, but the first thing that um, I will say, as far as um, advice, I tell anyone this: don't be afraid to say what it is that you really want. Say it out loud. Say it to anyone who will listen use the power in your voice not to be demanding not to be a witch with a beak okay <laughs> but that is a part of being genuine and authentic saying what it is that you want out loud so that the universe you the room hears you and so that your resources come to you there's power in the spoken word and pushing past that fear so that's definitely one thing Another thing that I would say, super, super important, and this ties into mindfulness as well, you have to seek out and surround yourself with like-minded individuals. Like, I'm so happy that you and I connectedly through an email, but it was really perfect. But people who want to go after something in life, gold crushers, soulpreneurs, entrepreneurs, if that's what you want, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people so you have the support and you can continue to be brave on your path or journey. And finally, I'm huge on this. It kind of goes into um, the spoken word as well. Talk to your we see stories on TV and even as white I know my mom's like, are you crazy? Don't be talking to yourself, but talk to yourself, affirm yourself, encourage and yourself on a daily basis because it literally changes your energy, which changes your molecular structure. You will find that you will be more highly functioning throughout the day, more productive and get more done. And you're position will just overall be better. So those are my big three that I want to leave with everyone. Awesome. And the second one, I couldn't agree with more. I mean, I agree with all of them, but the second one in terms of finding your support people, finding the people that are like-minded, I've seen how that's affected my life over the last few years. I'm meeting people through this podcast, even that, that, you know, like are, are making shifts and changing the way that I think. And like I said, even you today have given me some things to think about. So I can definitely agree with that one is that it's important to find support. It's important to find like-minded people because you can't do it on your own. And, and the more you try and do it on your own the more frustrating it's probably going to be the longer yes. it's going to take and the better probably the chances that you're going to give up so i completely agree with that so last thing um here uh is just an opportunity you've you've come on here today you've shared very openly you've provided a ton of great information tips and everything like that but i want to give you an opportunity now to just put yourself uh, out to the listeners in terms of where they can find you on social share your email if you want share anything else that you've got coming up that you want to put out there the floor is yours go ahead all right. Thank you um, for that again, Brian. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I definitely would love for as many listeners as care to to join um, the Trailblazers email community. Uh, that is where you can get the free 
mini ebook of Journal for Your Journey. It is a life-changing work. And I'm not just saying that because I did it. I'm saying that because of the feedback that I've gotten overall. And I believe that's going to help folks shift in the way that they need to. So the easy uh, way to do that is just shoot me an email. And the best email for me for that will be thehealedgirl at gmail.com. So it's T-H-E-H-E-A-L-E-D-G-I-R-L at gmail.com. And they can get um, first line access to me. There's more information about my podcast, Bold Journeys podcast, and all of the other work that I have done and am moving forward in on my website, which is tboldmedia.com. And that's just T-B-O-L-D-M-E-D-I-A.com. And all my socials are public. You can follow me on Facebook at um, our artesia.bolding and on instagram it's just artesia bolding but if you hit the website up tboldmedia.com you can get access to everything there as well as the bold journeys podcast my show awesome well i'll put all that in the show notes um uh, definitely uh, i'll add your your podcast to the list i've got a library i've pretty much made it through most of what i'm listening to now so i'm looking to add new ones all the time and definitely want to check out what's going on with what other people have going on and uh, yeah um like i said you know thank you for coming on here thank you for sharing so openly it, it humbles me when people are so open with me because of the fact that like like you said a few minutes ago we don't really know each other we met through an email um but i'm glad that you know you decided to take a chance on me and come on here and like i said i think your story is going to impact people because it's just one of those stories where like i said i think a lot of us need to recognize that tomorrow's not promised next week's not promised next year's not promised and if we bring that sort of more to the forefront of our life that we can get our life on track and and i think that that's one of the yeah. biggest things i take from your your journey so again thank you so much thank you for coming on i look forward to staying connected and like i said in the future having you on again because i think there's there's more there that we need to we need to talk about but uh, for now thank you and and i appreciate you a lot so thanks for coming on I appreciate you, Brian. Thank you so much. Awesome. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.